an MLK Day afternoon game, and the Bucks just took a half to get going against the Indiana Pacers. Again, it was not a four-quarter performance from the Bucks. There was no Giannis uh, also in this game, but a couple of old Wiley vets came in and some different rotations, and the Bucks were able to play some defense in the second half and beat the Pacers. We also got our first real update from Chris Middleton today from our friend Eric Names, who we can talk about. Chris, uh, at least the Bucks won. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my other work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every weekday. And uh, it's my fault we're not doing the pod straight after the game today. Uh, that's some other, that's some other work stuff. This, this early Arvo games aren't always the best time slot for me, uh, but we're here doing the post game show now, and uh, the Bucks won. And I said to Frank, I actually saw the score of this game before I watched it, which I don't love. I don't love when that's the case. It takes away all the suspense. But in this case, it might have been better, Frank, because at halftime, you give up 76 to the Indiana Pacers. TJ McConnell's out there looking like prime Allen Iverson. Can't be stopped at the rim. He's knocking down threes. He had a career high in the first half, and the Bucs just did not look like they were going uh, to slow down this Pacers team, who we can say the Bucs didn't have Giannis and Middleton and Joe Ingles. They didn't have Tyrese Halliburton either. And again, the Bucks were able to pull it out. Uh, but it is a little bit of a continuation of what we've seen in the last few weeks where they can't get uh, a four-quarter performance in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, uh, as I watched the game live. Uh, I <laughs> was actually watching Twitter during this game. Uh, off and on. Um, I, I was tempted to, you know, tweet something snarky at some point um yeah. you know in like the third quarter when it just felt like you know they could they would get like within six or eight and then it would get back out to to 10 right it just felt like there was one of those kind of hump games where it's so hard to get over the hump and then you worry that okay to actually do that you know you're gonna have to expend all this energy and then again did you trust the bucks to actually string together like multiple stops and for the pacers to stop hitting threes you know, normally I would say, yeah, I don't think the Pacers are going to shoot, you know, what were they 12 for 22 to start or something like that? 55%. Um, you know, normally it's like, oh, well, they can't be that hot for that long. Um, but you know, with the way things have been going, just, you know, I mean, we get these like the Raptor game where nobody can make anything. Mm -hmm. And then we get these other games. Like, I mean, I just keep thinking about this Charlotte game, <laughs> like, like literally Charlotte, you know, this like team that's even worse than than the Pacers although you could argue with LaMelo and no Halliburton maybe that's a you know it's a more talented team but um but bottom line like you know did I trust this this version of the Bucks um to to come back and actually close this one out uh, pretty touch and go and you know again it's just it's just hard because every time they do this you know like especially with again I don't know how much the Twitter fan base is reflective of like the broader fan base but you get just this 
cascade of angst over again, like role players who are in these spots where like, you know, obviously they have, they, they're being asked to do more, but I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was notable. Josh Oppenheimer, who um, I think Marcus Johnson or Lisa mentioned on the broadcast had the scout. He was the guy that had the advanced scout in this game. So he was, you know, kind of more prominent. Let's just say he was like Mm -hmm. giving instructions at the mid court. You know, he was very involved in this game and he gave the halftime interview to Zora Stevenson. And I mean, that was about as like pissed off as you're going to see an assistant coach in a halftime interview. Look, Um, I think the word pride was mentioned twice. I think Um, basically just like guys just need to like, you know, basically it was like, get your shit together bucks like was essentially the messaging and taking pride and getting stops and playing defense which what was it 76 points allowed in the first mm-hmm. half um and again like i mean when teams were 76 of course like there's good shot making involved in that but at, the, at you know at bottom line it's like tj mcconnell like they kind of just dared them all have to shoot threes which I, i'll say this like i mean oppenheimer also made it seem like you know they were letting you know a good three point shooter, get off easy looks. And it's like TJ McConnell, like that's sort of been the scouting report on him is that, you know, you go under screens and you kind of dare him a little bit to shoot, which is a very bucks thing to do, but he was hitting everything. Miles Turner was hitting everything. And McConnell was also like, you know, getting in the paint, getting to his spots. And it didn't really matter who was on. I mean, Drew holiday had times where he couldn't stop him. And then like near the end of the second quarter, AJ green is having to defend him. And like he scored on AJ green twice in a row. It's like, okay, why is it like the worst defender on the roster having to guard the guys that's got, you know, a career high halftime. So it was a very, um, yeah, it was a long day. You know, you see the final score and you're like, oh, 132, 119, you know, Bucks break out of their offensive doldrums. And you know, I think that's, you know, I haven't mentioned Drew Holiday yet. I think we got to get to Drew Holiday because on a day when you actually win a game without Giannis, without Chris, as, as per usual, like the usual caveats, those guys just don't play basketball games anymore. Um, huge shout out to Drew Holiday. He was awesome in this game he was the guy that closed out the pacers he was the guy that was helping the bucks stay in the game when again they were sort of struggling to keep it within touching distance and i think it's three straight double doubles season had 35 points had the step back going was just bulldozing (laughs) little pacer defenders getting to the rim um he was awesome and you know a lot of the guys that we've been you know kind of just struggling with uh who have not shot the ball, have not scored effectively this year. I mean, you scored 132 and you don't do that without getting contributions from a bunch of guys. And certainly offensively, at least there was, you know, a number of, of encouraging performances, but I thought defensively as well, guys that maybe didn't put up, you know, big scoring numbers, George Hill, Wes Matthews came in and played a key role in kind of flipping the script on that game in the second half. And so, Again, it's like how outraged can you get about a game when they win and you're not playing with two of your best three players, including, you know, your MVP candidate. It's like kind of hard to look at it and say, like, you know, use this as like the kind of existential litmus test on the franchise. But again, just given the way things have been going, given the frustrations, which I I certainly get and I, I was feeling it, especially through that first half the lack of urgency that you felt with the team, especially on defense, um, you know, normally frustrated, but by the same token, you hope that again, if we're just, dare I say days away, maybe who knows, maybe Giannis is going to play basketball at some point this week. Maybe Chris Middleton, 
maybe might play basketball in the next week. You know, like I said on ESPN, they suggested Saturday against Cleveland. I don't know. I feel like the boy who cried wolf even alluding to that. But, um, you know, they, they really needed this win because if you lose this game, third straight loss going with Toronto to Toronto tomorrow when I'm assuming Giannis isn't going to play, but maybe he will. I don't know. Maybe they were saving him for the tougher game of the back-to-back. Um, that wouldn't be a great place to <laughs> wouldn't be a great place to be. And, uh, you know, you'd be kind of steamrolling towards the fifth spot, it seems, in the East if you lose this game and, and be staring at another loss to, uh, tomorrow night. So, yeah, again, maybe not the prettiest win in terms of consistency, but very necessary and certainly some positives to take from it, starting with Drew Holiday. Yeah, last five games now, and it's, you talk about the shooting because it got overshadowed a little bit because the Bucks lost those two games in Miami. But the last five games, the Bucks are actually fifth in the league for three-point percentage. They're up over 40%. They're averaging 20.2 makes per game over those five games and getting up uh, 50 a game. So we've discussed it when Giannis goes out. Uh, we've seen historically the three-point attempts really ramp up and we did see a fair bit of that but they shot the ball well about 50 percent tonight which overcame the paces at 47 percent. and we've said this with drew holiday before he does so much for this team when you got Giannis there you got chris there he doesn't need to be a 30 point scorer but uh, the bucks have needed it a little bit more this season than this last little stretch uh, he's been pretty good but you mentioned the rotation and it's interesting because even after the game i tried to like scroll through twitter and see what some of the reactions were and there was still some anger about different rotation things that happened, namely Marjan Bochamp. So I want to get into that a bit because the West Matthews, dusting off the West Matthews uh, old uh, rotation minutes there today was at least interesting. He only played six, uh, but we'll talk about that after we talk about rocket money. And if your New Year's goal is to manage your budget better and save money, you need Rocket Money, and uh, that's me, because Rocket Money, formerly known as True Bill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Now, I'm not a big money spender. I would be what people would describe as a tight ass. Like, I'm not going out there splashing cash. I'm like, just, I like to be careful about the way I spend my money, which is why I've still got this uh, 2018 uh, iPhone with it still has a button on it, which I get a lot of flack for so i'm not throwing money away but i got this humongous tax bill recently which is just painful to even think about and after i did that i'm like where am i spending money that i don't need to let's try and save some cash here and and i found that i just had a million subscriptions that i'm not using and really i'm just wasting 20 30 bucks a month and that's what uh, rocket money can do it makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button over three three million people have used rocket money saving the average person up to 720 bucks a year so stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MBA. Rocketmoney.com slash locked on MBA. Well, we know uh, Frank uh, looks like he's got up. Uh, and you change. Changed- Yes, he's changed location. I think he's going. But, uh, by the way, people people watching on the people watching on on video here, like I, I'm wearing a hat, which I don't yes. do very. I like never do it on the pod, and no. because my my thing is mirrored, I keep like trying to adjust it and make it straight, but it's always yeah, the reverse. The and yeah. my brain just like can't process that I have to adjust it in the reverse side. So I just look like, well, even more of a you know loser. Than I usually do with with, uh, with I I cannot wear a hat the way Kane Pittman wears a hat, but um, my hair got all messed up today wearing this Brewers hat, so I'm wearing the 
This is also like the lamest brewers had. It's the old like Milwaukee M mm. wheat Miller. Basically, it's the the Miller logo. Yeah, which is just has always been the lamest logo. But but anyway, whatever. You're not here for our faces. Maybe for Kane's Kane's face, but I don't think anybody's coming for my face. But um, but yeah, this is the the struggle is real right now. But I'm eating a little Reese's miniature here to. Well, as over. we know, uh, you got to eat on the podcast, Frank. You got to yeah. have your sustenance to get through the next uh, 25 minutes or so of uh, podcasting. Uh, rotation stuff. I saw something when I said I was scrolling through Twitter. I saw something funny, right? Someone someone tweeted, uh, you know, why aren't the Bucks playing Marjan Bochamp? And he had a DMP coach's decision today. Now, of course, the Bucks play tomorrow. So who knows, you know, whether he'll get uh, minutes tomorrow. Uh, but I saw a Bucks fan comment back and they were like, yeah, Bud decided he wanted to win games, and Bochamp was no good against Miami. Now, I he was terrible. Was... He was terrible, Miami. He was zero for seven with zero points in twenty six minutes over two games. It was not great. No, it was it was not a great stretch. Now, I've been someone who's been advocating for the idea that he is one of the high upside guys. I think we've watched the Bucks, and you know, certainly in my opinion, we've seen that athletically uh, this team is really challenged. And even we saw some stretches today where the Pacers were able to get out. Transition now, you might say that's just poor defense. Maybe that was the case, but we've seen other teams, whether it's Houston Rockets, uh, some of these younger teams that just really make the Bucks look old and slow. So I've been saying, well, just let Marjan play through these mistakes, play him every single night, and at least find out whether you've got something. He's had some good moments. Last couple of games weren't his best. Now, all of a sudden, Jordan War is getting some minutes, and I see then the Twitter fans are saying, well, this is a showcase. He's going to be put in a trade. He's starting to make some buckets, and he did today as he did in that first Miami game. He's had a couple of good moments here. But ultimately, back to that comment about, well, the Bucs wanted to win games. We always talk about this, Frank. Why do the veterans get minutes when the Bucs are in trouble or when Bud needs to, to rely on people? Because he can put Wesley Matthews in who hasn't played for two and a half weeks. And you could tell, he looked like a guy that hadn't played in two and a half weeks. He was sprinting up and down the floor everywhere. He was barking instructions on uh, defense. And he checked in at the halfway mark of the third quarter and the Bucs were still trailing... I think 90 to 78 at the time. It was still a double-digit deficit. And there's no question, in my opinion, that he made an impact. His first defensive possession, he was actually able to stop TJ McConnell for his first miss of the entire game. <laughs> and I just thought Wesley Matthews had an impact. And it comes back to the old question, do I think that you know Wesley Matthews is all of a sudden going to be some difference maker in a championship? No, but we did see with the organization, maybe the pride that Oppenheimer was talking about between Wesley Matthews and George Hill, the Bucs got reliable, good minutes tonight from vets. We've theorized that perhaps they're just putting these guys on ice to, to save their bodies a little bit. Um, but it was interesting that Bud went to that tonight when clearly the coaching staff was pretty frustrated with what they saw in the first half. Well, I mean, and I think if, you, if you're if you mad about Bochamp not playing, like I would say, well, then it was AJ Green and Jordan Juarez whose minutes probably should have been cut i mean west played six minutes okay it's not like he yeah that's played right like yeah. like a huge number of minutes or something like that so um yeah i mean the amount of leash he's given aj green has been the most interesting to me because aj mm-hmm. green can't i mean first off you wouldn't want him playing in the playoffs because he can't defend anybody right i mean he's just too physically you know limited and and again i think he understands how to play defense much better than marjan does like <laughs> Marchand like makes pretty obvious mistakes that even someone like me kind of sees and is like, oof, yeah, he went the wrong way, or that wasn't supposed to be a switch, or man, he just got stuck on that screen. Like he's he's not good at getting over screens. Um, AJ Green like 
kind of fight. I mean, he's like, again, it's like very stereotypical, like, you know, white guy try hard shit, basically. But he does. I mean, he's, he's generally like, you know, especially in one on one defense, like his errors are, are because he's just never going to be able to do that. Not because he's like, you know, just making the wrong read or like didn't know where he was supposed to be. So to me, though, that's kind of like, what are you what are you getting from these AJ Green minutes, right? I think you can say, well, when you need to juice the offense a little bit, obviously Green's shooting. I mean, arguably like the best spot up shooter on the team, right? I mean, like statistically, right? He's like up over forty percent. I mean, that's literally the only thing he does. Obviously, he can't dribble, can't pass, can't defend. Um, so like, there's no like he there's there's nobody in like at the an right NBA rotation. level. Just to yeah, clarify. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, Not that we need to clarify, but it's yeah, like, this I mean, isn't an all-out attack on you. But he's AJ. a great shooter. But he's a great yeah. shooter. And I think to his credit, you know, the thing that that I was just like not, you know, and again, the reason why I also just like, I mean, I don't think there's like, you know, some like big upside here. Um, but I give him credit. Like, I mean, the dude can come in and play limited minutes and knock down threes. And a lot of guys can't do that, right? A lot of guys who are very good college shooters, they need the ball in their hands. They need to get like a feel, a rhythm of the game. They can't play 10 minutes take you know five shots and hit three threes or whatever it might be um and he's been up over 40 percent from three for most of the season i'm not sure where he is right now but um but i mean credit to him i mean he's done probably about as well as he could but it's a it's a little weird like i, I don't know if it's like some sort of like oh marjan go watch what aj does like he's in the good the right spots like you take a you know learn from the the, the old, you know, veteran rookie guy who played four years in college I don't know if that's like kind of the thing that's going on because it's like you're not going to like trade AJ Green for him. He's a two way contract. You're not going to like trade him in some package like sweetener or something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it is. He's not eligible to play in the playoffs. Like, I don't know what you're kind of building towards here with, with AJ Green getting minutes over Bochamp. And with Wara, I mean, I thought we had moved past, you know, Marjan Bochamp <laughs> getting stuck behind. Jordan Wara, but like then you see how tentative like Marjan stunk it up in in Miami, and like I mean that's okay. So like if you want to know why he didn't play, it's because he stunk in Miami, <laughs> and you know Jordan Wara actually like got some buckets in that last game. Now do I enjoy watching Jordan Wara? No, even when Jordan Wara is good, I feel like I don't enjoy watching him play. Uh, it just always feels like it's on the knife edge of disaster, and then you just hope that like some off balance, you know, shots go in and thankfully in those last two games they have for his sake, especially today, considering it helped them actually win a basketball game. So credit to Jordan Wara, but like, I don't know. I mean, it, I still have been thinking about just like the fact that they gave him two years on his contract. It's like, you shouldn't have like, there shouldn't be a lot of risk in like a two year deal. that's barely above the minimum, but I mean, they really need him to actually have some good games here. If he's going to like resuscitate his value above like, you know, negative asset levels, right? Like you want to be able to throw them into a trade if you need to, to help, you know, again, kind of like increase the amount of salary you can take back without somebody looking at the trade and being like, Jordan, I don't want to pay that guy $2 million the next two years, you know, but last few months, like that's kind of been where, I mean, he's barely snuck over like 52% true shooting. His usage is actually the same as Bochamps, which is kind of interesting because you think of Mm. Wara as being like, a guy that's like super trigger happy and Bochamp being a lot more kind of measured role playerish, but their usage is actually the exact same. So, so yeah, I, I mean, this stuff is so cyclical. Like I don't, I like part of me is like, I don't know, like there's almost like no point in trying to make heads or tails of like why, but is riding this guy a little bit more versus this guy a little bit less, especially when, you know, a day like this where you're not only missing Chris and Giannis, but like Ingles is out too. 
um, you know, they needed dudes. And I think it kind of sucks that Marge <laughs> isn't playing over, especially an AJ Green type guy who to me doesn't have a long-term future in Milwaukee period. And, you know, because of his defensive issues, it's not like he's like some, it's not like he's like dramatically helping you. It's like, you know, the, the bar should be pretty low for Marjan to clear AJ Green. Um, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully he played well in Toronto the last time he was there in that, that first game when no one could make a shot. He actually came in and scored eight points in the first quarter or first, you know, 15 minutes a game or so. So hopefully we start to see him again. Again, we can kind of, you know, kind of knee-jerk react to guys playing more one day or another. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I understand why, like what is the logic of Bud's use of Wes Matthews? I have no idea, right? Like is he saving him for the stretch run? Does he intend to use him at all in the playoffs? I have no idea. No idea. I don't I don't know at all. I know I certainly trust Wes more than most dudes on this roster, especially the like rotation, like bench guys in terms of like, you know, a hypothetical, like, can you throw him out there against Boston? Um, you know, we have a lot of guys that we know just like flat out can't play because they can't defend against a team like the Celtics. And again, can Wes score? He, he randomly had that shot. He took one shot today and he made it, which was kind of cool. But, um, you know, like obviously he's not going to be an efficient, you know, high efficiency score or anything like that. So, Long story short, I don't know who's going to play night tonight. I don't know if Bud knows night tonight. Um, I, I hope that, you know, again, I, I figured Wes wouldn't play every game once Joe Ingles came back, but I didn't think it would be like, you know, not play for like two weeks type type of thing, um, especially given the kind of the ongoing injuries they've had. So that part surprised me a little bit, but again, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and, and part of me is like, I don't, I don't know that much about what, what Wes has left because we haven't we haven't really seen him play much, and I think the big reason you you have Wes is again he's a guy that you have to play with Drew and Giannis and Chris because in those situations he can just like switch defensively and the ball's never going to be in his hand really right like maybe he's going to take some some spot up shots but you're not expecting him to really have to carry any offensive burden and obviously when those guys are out that's part of what you're worried about is him having to like you know dribble and do stuff so. I don't know, guys. I don't know, Kane. I don't know what to make of it. We're halfway through the season. There's still a fair bit of time left. And um, I, I think you still may need a guy like Wes come playoff time. So if they want to measure his his minutes, but keep him at least vaguely fresh, um, that's fine with me. But uh, I don't know. Some of the other stuff, AJ Green, Wara, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in, you know, tomorrow, much less in a week. And I do think just quickly on AJ Green, like some of it I think has just been reward for actually being able to knock down shots because we saw in that stretch when he first came into play, as you pointed to, the Bucks literally could not hit a shot any given night. And it's like, hey, yeah, this guy might have some uh, deficiencies defensively, but he's actually capable of knocking down a three. Now the Bucks are in a nice stretch at the moment and we hope that continues. But uh, as you pointed to, they have to go back to Toronto tomorrow or today. Uh I hope it's a little bit of a different game to last time. Although then again, the Bucks won, so maybe not. Let's talk about Chris Middleton next. We got an update. Uh, Eric Name uh, wrote a story over at the Athletic after we talk about BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Uh, I was just watching the Dallas Cowboys uh, put an end to Tom Brady's season. So if you uh, think the Cowboys are going to roll through, I don't know. I think that's blasphemous if you're a Packers fan. I'm not 100 percent sure, but anyway, the NFL playoffs are rolling on. 
Packers fans had a great day the other day when the Vikings lost. So it's it's not all bad. But get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season. Uh, that's uh, done. Uh, basketball and the Basketball World Cup is coming up as well. So if you think Australia can do some big things like I do, uh, go to betonline.net. And if you love sports, uh, podcasts and news and info, it's all there at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Uh, that's Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm going to stop talking about college bowl season. You know, I just gonna, I've only done the Bet Online ad approximately 1,500 times in my life. So I probably shouldn't have to read it uh, off the sheet. But anyway, shout out to Bet Online. Shout out to Chris Milton as well. And shout out to Eric Name, Frank. Uh, down in Miami, got the chance to hang out with Chris Milton and ask some questions that we've probably all been seeking answers for. What is going on? Why is this knee so sore? Why has it been sore for the last month after he returned? So essentially, and you can add um, your thoughts to this, but essentially he's been having swelling in his knee, which has been seemingly problematic for many years, actually. But obviously he had that knee uh, injury in the playoffs last year. I don't think that this was all that clear, actually, because Chris said, yeah, maybe I'll be back next week. But I don't want to say I'll be back next week because if I'm not back next week, then I'll look stupid for saying that I'm back next week. So I ultimately left this story a little bit confused, but it did give a bit of an insight into the knee injury, the wrist stuff uh, that he went through as well. And ultimately, he's just had a rough stretch here. But he did say, I know I might not always look like I want to get back and play, but I'm desperate to play because playing games of basketball is more fun than doing rehab. What did you take from this story? Uh I might as well have just kept me on mute because I don't really know what to make of that story. Um, <laughs> so one one clarifying point. So to the extent that Middleton has right knee soreness, and again, this is like, you know, the the blisters thing got referenced again in this. We know he had a non-COVID illness. I, I don't know. Like I'm, you know, I, I, as I mentioned, the, the, the ESPN broadcast reference maybe playing next Wednesday in Cleveland or next Saturday in Cleveland. I think it's Saturday. Um, you know, lots of time to get hangnail or something. You know, I, I have no idea, right? At this point, like literally anything. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it sucks for him, right? Obviously, his incentive is to play and be good and, you know, earn a new contract, help the Milwaukee Bucks win a championship, play with the guys that he's, you know, um, played with for so many seasons, principally Giannis. So I, I don't really know what to make of it. The right knee is is the one that he injured in college. And I think the the thing that they were alluding to, which I think was probably that, you know, what Eric uncovered, that really has not gotten talked about, which is that just basically kind of he manages that right knee. It's been just sort of an ongoing thing, which we really have. It hasn't been as prominent as like Giannis. You know, Giannis is like, very, it's been very clear. Like every year he misses games with his knees being, just kind of things flaring. Up. I mean, this has been going on for six years or something like that. You know, first it was always like the right knee that was, it was called right knee soreness after the injury against Atlanta. It's typically like left knee soreness is referenced. It's probably both of them I'm guessing. Um, and so I think Chris was just basically saying like, yeah, I mean, no, normally it's my right knee, but I manage it. And you know, if it's during the off season, like nobody cares because it's the off season, but because of the ramp up and everything like that, you know, that's been part of his problem. I don't know. It doesn't seem like anybody thinks this is like some serious thing that, you know, is going to be like a Brooke Lopez where 
you know, next week they decide, Oh, need surgery, right. Yeah. Out for three months. Um, you know, Bud has sort of been dismissive of it being serious. Even, even Bud who's never says anything about anything has seemingly been dismissive of it being serious, but you know, it's been a month, right? Roughly a month, I think, um, since we've seen Chris Milton play basketball. So at this point, like we've, I think exhausted everything we can say about what may or may not be happening. Everybody wants to see the guy play basketball and I'm sure he does too. So, um, I, until it happens, we're just going to keep spinning our wheels. You know, the plus side obviously is as, as Eric referenced in the story is that he, they've gotten him into a number of five on five practices, including with the box and also bringing some of the herd guys down, by the way, nice little, nice little vacation, right? It's like, oh yeah, fly down to Miami. Was, get because some, you brought get it some up. games in. You brought that up. And when you said it, I was like, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Chris is in Miami. How did he get assigned to the herd? The fact that they flew those guys, did, like that tells you that he can't be, he has to be close. Like I know these NBA franchises have a lot of money, but why are they sending the G League team down to Miami just to work out with Chris Middleton if he's not close? He's got to be close. I'm just, I'm like assuming they flew commercial or something, right? Um, you know, just like a bunch of tall, maybe, maybe they picked like shorter guys because the tall guys didn't want to fly commercial down or something like that. I'm guess I'm guessing the herd guys didn't get to fly on the, the private jet. I don't know. I don't know. We got to ask Eric to dig into that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It seems like a good thing. That usually is like the last step before you actually play basketball games, but until it happens, you know, um, it's it's just it's just talk and um sooner sooner would be better than later so we will see what what is the what is the rest of the schedule this week they have the raptors on tuesday and then um let's see they have the raptors on tuesday and then they don't have the Cavs until saturday and then the pistons on monday um so i'm all in on saturday and if it doesn't happen i'm gonna be very emotional <laughs> and upset <laughs> Uh, Saturday's the day. By the way, I I, th- I thought I heard people talking about like the the Bucks schedule being super weird. I mean, they've only played like is this going to be like the fifth or sixth back to back all year? It's like they really don't play many back to backs anymore. I've actually been kind of pleasantly surprised at how few they've played. And I think they were what four and one. I I think they were four and zero oh until they lost in Miami last week, which also feels kind of surprising that a team like the Bucks, which you know is, has had a penchant for resting Giannis. In these back-to-backs over the past few years that um that they've actually had a good record considering they you know basically they're like if you get the bucks on a back-to-back it's basically drew holiday and brooke lopez and cloud of dust so um so i don't know we we will see i mean if they pull out the raptors game uh that would obviously be a, a really big win uh as much as toronto obviously has not been great shakes or anything like that um but i don't know there was i know there were some jokes on twitter today about which, you know, after TJ McConnell and Gabe Vincent, which, which tiny random guy, Malachi Flynn was, I think was the only, like, he's like the only other guard on the roster who's small other than Fred Van Vliet. So um, Malachi Flynn going for a Kerr high would be the, uh, probably the most fitting trend to see carry over into that game, given the Bucks just get annihilated by random backup guards. Uh, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like we dodged some bullets from Fred Van Vliet. I feel like Fred Van Vliet ever since, you know, Daddy Van Vliet killed us after the birth of his child in the Eastern Conference Finals. It feels like Fred Van Vliet saves good games for the Bucks, but he uh, he definitely had a, a lot of misses in the last game. So 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be holding my breath when Fred Van Vliet takes shots tomorrow. He uh, he seems like the best candidate for little guy to to punish the Bucks. Well, the Bucks are 12 games over 500 and uh, one game back in the loss column, but Drew Level uh, four and a half games back of the Boston Celtics, so they're back level with the Nets. And look, there's an opportunity there with Kevin Durant still going to be out for a few weeks as well. So if the Bucks can pick up some wins, at least. Uh, stay within some sort of touching distance. I don't know if they're going to catch the Celtics, but certainly try and stay ahead of the pack with the Nets and the Cavs and the, and the Philadelphia 76ers as well. Also, check out the Game to Game podcast. You get a recap from around the NBA from all the local hosts in the network after the games are done. And uh, you can just uh, catch up with everything that's going on in the NBA. There's always plenty of games on. Any any uh, parting shots? Uh, Wednesday's a big day for me. I do... Uh, some other uh, basketball stuff here in Australia. And someone tweeted this meme that I wanted to bring up, Frank, uh, because you will, you'll see my, my attire is a little bit different when I'm working for uh, ESPN. And uh, someone tweeted this, uh, Kane talking about the Bucks, Kane talking about any other team. <laughs> and you have to see it on YouTube. Wait, who, who tweeted this? Who came up uh, with this? I, I have to go back and have a look. You, you got to go. You, whoever came up with that needs needs some credit. Um but uh, but yeah, well, I, I my um, my main observation after the game on Twitter was that I thought the switching in kind of the, I think mean, maybe sort of the late third, but uh, I thought the switching was really was really important. I mean, we talk always talk about how you know again my view is always that Bobby Portis is the least problematic, <laughs> call it least problematic defensively when he's switching, just because he's so limited as a rim protector. Um, and this is one of the downsides of Giannis being out is that you get into a lot of these lineups where it is just Bobby out there because you can't play him and Brooke 48 minutes, although it seems like Bud would probably like to. Um, and I thought uh, this is less about Bobby, but I mean, I thought the the fact that, you know, Miles Turner hit what five threes scored 30 points today. Um, also like just the, the way he shoots threes, they're like moon balls. Mm. He shoots them so high. They're, aesthetically pleasing but here's the thing the thing it's the thing that i've that is always kind of like i found funny about miles turner like the guy doesn't he doesn't really like know how to post up effectively he doesn't punish switches at least not in my lifetime of watching him and so i thought it was fitting that you know he was killing the bucks on these pick and pops or brooke lopez would kind of hang down whatever he was splashing these threes and then the bucks were like all right you know what? we're just gonna switch you know they took brooke out for for a bit um and basically said to him, as well as I think Jalen Smith as well, and they're like, ah, eh, we don't really think you guys can hurt us. And sure enough, like, you know, they had made a couple attempts to throw the ball into those guys that were like deflected and stolen. And then another time Drew was on the switch and Miles Turner like caught it and like kind of kept the ball above his head and sort of awkwardly threw it off the backboard and missed. And so essentially, I think that really kind of, you know, given the way that Indiana, Indiana was shooting the ball, I thought it kind of took took some of the the – um, momentum out of what they were doing offensively because, you know, the pick and pops, the Turner are working well. We also saw obviously McConnell principally, like in, in terms of pick and rolls, Bucks kind of fighting under screens, you know, not really defending it um, too closely, but, but other guys as well, uh, those guys were hitting threes and it just seemed like switching just kind of threw them for, for a bit of a loop. And again, without the ability to really punish the Bucks down low, um, it, it felt like that kind of changed the energy of the game a little bit. Cause it was such a, you know, it was such a like tennis match in terms of like, you know, whoever could break serve, right. If you could get two, three stops in a row, that was like a huge move, you know, something huge for your momentum because the other team, you know, probably wasn't going to stop you consistently. So 
Um, so yeah, that was one of my other, that's my, you know, random hashtag analysis, <laughs> hashtag analysis comment for this game. Um, but, uh, and I think that was the thing too. I think they started switching. I, I want to say they started switching a little bit more when, when Wes came in there for that brief period, just because of, you know, Wes being again, kind of more in that drew mold of like, not tall, but kind of built, built like a little tank and not, not a guy that like you can easily, easily back down. So, um, so yeah. Hey, every once in a while adjustments. Yes. Bud does make adjustments. Every coach does. If we see whenever everybody who says like coaches don't make adjustments, like they make adjustments. You just, they may not be the right adjustments, but they usually do make actual adjustments. They're just not always easy to easy, always the easiest thing to pick up. But that one was pretty, pretty clear. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the size, the rebounding there. One interesting stat as we wrap it up, second chance points, 18 to zero in this game. And the Bucks actually only had nine offensive rebounds. So 18 second chance points on nine offensive rebounds is some pretty tidy pretty work good. there from the pretty Bucks. So... It's about two points, per... <laughs> two points per offensive rebound. So credit to the Bucks and uh, Pacers. Something to work on. That's uh, that's not great stuff there on the glass. By the way, so, I think I think I think um, you know Bobby Portis had another double double, twenty one points. You know, obviously it was important hitting shots when the Bucks were trying to keep up. I think he also had another. What I think he was the one that turned it over on the inbound at the end of the first quarter. I think the Bucks basically gave up. I think the Bucks gave up a three at the end of every quarter, other than the fourth <laughs> quarter. TJ McConnell. Um, created like might have been created all of them um, at the end of the second quarter. He just blew by Javon Carter to kick out for a corner three at the end of the third quarter. He blew by George Hill to do the same, which is weird. Cause I mean, Javon and George pretty engaged defenders and just sort of like seem to be like caught sleeping. Um, but the end of that first quarter, they get a three and then they, the bucks throw it away. I think it was Bobby threw it away to set up another three. It was just like, dude, seriously, six points in the last, like, freaking two seconds of the first quarter like not great um so yeah we got bucks seriously the back i mean the turnovers are bad you know the turnovers are bad um but like drew had that period didn't he have like three straight turnovers in the last miami game like just some of the turnover stuff like it's just guys why what are we doing here but the backcourt turnovers seriously freaking quit it man (laughs) Like, just I know we want to get out and push the ball and temp on uh, you know up tempo and all that crap. Especially, um, you know, the transition has been struggling this year. But inbound the ball to a teammate, please, please. That's my first request. No, that's a fair request. We'll see. The good news is we only have to wait twenty four hours thereabouts, uh, under twenty four hours, uh, to see if they listen to Frank Madden on their trip north <laughs> of the border. We'll have something after the game, post-game show, I suppose. The Raptors, how many, ta- how many times did they turn over in, in Toronto last time? Like 25 times or something like that? Like I'm, I'm expecting, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of frustration, but you know what guys, hope springs eternal. Hope springs eternal. We'll speak to you after the game. The Bucks are 12 games over 500. They're looking for the big win number 29 tomorrow. Here's hoping we can talk about it.